the unsurpassed penetrating and perfect truth is seldom met with, even in the hundred thousand myriad kalpas. Now we can see and hear it, we can remember and accept it. I vow to make the Buddha's truth one with myself. Homage to the Buddha, homage to the Dharma, homage to the Sangha. Today I'm going to talk about practicing harmony. As many of you will know, last week we had our first full meeting of the monks of our order since the pandemic began, since actually since 2019, before the pandemic came, began. For anyone who doesn't know, we have an order with, this is a monastery here, we have a monastery in Britain called Throstle Hole Buddhist Abbey. And we have a number of priories, small temples, and other monks living in various situations. So we've got quite a lot of monks. And we try to all meet together on Zoom because um, it was not going to work in person this year. Usually every two years, we try to have a meeting of all together, um, alternating between here at Shasta Abbey and at Throstle in Britain. So every four years, we host one of these meetings, and every four years, Throssa hosts one of these meetings. And every four years, we go over there, and every four years, they come over here. But we haven't done this for a few years. Meeting in person is really nice, it's wonderful. To, to discuss things, to take refuge in each other, see each other, spend time together, you know, talk about things, talk about people's situation. How is it going with such and such? And... Um, just spending time together. And on Zoom, of course, it's rather different. We don't do it in quite the same way. Well, first of all, there's the time difference. Britain is eight hours ahead of us, and our furthest East Temple, which is in Latvia, from Brigine, is ten hours ahead. So when it's morning here, say nine o'clock, it's five o'clock in Britain in the afternoon and seven o'clock for Reverend Bergine. So it's quite a difference there. There's about one hour and some per day when we're all conscious and able to you know, be intelligible at the same time, more or less. So it's uh, a little squozen. So for each day, for, the last, for eight days this year, we would meet together for this hour and talk. And usually it would go on longer. And we would always have plenty to say. Monks always have plenty to say. Well, the main reason I'm talking about these meetings, apart from any interest people might have, is that the most striking thing about our discussions was the harmony and mutual respect that was quite apparent. Monks might have widely divergent views about almost anything, because we are like that, but we would listen and we would hear what everybody had to say. Older monks, younger monks, monks in the monasteries, monks living in a small temple, monks living alone or living with a parent who needed care. All these monks in different situations, in different countries, different languages. We've got, you know, here's the US, we've got Canada, Britain, Germany, Netherlands, and Latvia. Scriptures translated into their languages, teaching done in their languages. Very different cultures, very different ways of looking at the world and thinking about things. Really interesting. And they were not all the same. Even in one monastery, they were all widely different. So. Well, one great thing about Zoom meetings is that you have to wait 
to talk. This is really good. You raise the golden hand. And then when it's your turn, you have to unmute, figure out where that is, you know, and then speak. This is great. By that time, you might have reconsidered what you were going to say. Somebody else might have said it already, quite likely, and better than you, too. Or they might have said something that makes you think, hmm, maybe it isn't such a great idea. They've got a point. Maybe um, I don't have to say that. Maybe I'm wrong. Wrong. Or maybe it's just not as simple as I thought it might be. Or maybe I'll say it a bit differently rather than I might have done. My puffy little view. Wait a minute, let's just be a little more, you know, calm about it. And if somebody says something you don't agree with, you have to wait and listen. Not interrupt, you know. Maybe they've got a point. Listening to people. Oh, I hadn't thought of that. Totally different country, different culture, completely different point of view. Hmm, yeah, they've got a point. Maybe I'll, uh, you know, back off on my puffy view. And at least you have to keep quiet and not interrupt, which is a wonderful practice. And all of this is a very good practice for all of us. Practicing harmony, patience, mutual respect, and especially the willingness to really listen with an open mind to what somebody else has to say. To let go of any you know, prejudgments, preconceptions, pre-everythings that we might come with. And just listen. I was so impressed with our monks, I have to say, old monks, younger monks, all of them, just really impressive. Wisdom, kindness, restraint, you know. Um, I just thought it was really great. And I might not always agree with what everybody said, but I could sympathize with them. I could see where they were coming from. Oh, that's what it's like for them. Oh, that's how it is. I may not always agree, but that was okay. Agreeing to disagree is a wonderful thing, a most helpful practice. We don't have to win. It doesn't have to be an argument. We don't have to prevail. We can have completely different views about anything, actually. And that can be a good thing. We're not all the same. We don't all have the same little narrow view. We listen to somebody else's view in a different country or a different generation. It's really good. To listen to other views helps us to learn things, learn more, to widen our perspective, to see things differently. It's really helpful for all of us to do that, to listen with a sympathetic and open heart to another person, not just with our little preconceived ideas. It's so easy to get stuck with the idea that we have to prevail. We have to, it has to be an argument. We have to win the argument. We can't agree to disagree. We have to persuade others to see the, it the way we do, to argue them down, you know. And it's not harmonious, it's not helpful. But if we can agree to disagree, okay, they have a different view, they do it differently. Okay, maybe I can bear it, you know. <laughs> because really, a view is just a view, an opinion is just an opinion, it's not the ultimate truth. We need to have opinions about some things, or we couldn't live our life. We have to have some ideas of what you know, it's good to do. We couldn't get anything done. But we don't have to cling to our opinions and defend them to the death. We can be wrong. Or maybe there isn't a right or wrong. Maybe it's just people do things in different ways, see things in different ways, 
different ways to look at something or do something. There may not be a right and wrong way. As we know, if you travel to other countries, people do things in completely different ways and do just fine. Completely different. And it's fine. A wonderful thing to know. So when we discuss things at our meetings, mostly we just express our thoughts about something and then we could, you know, discuss and then somebody's thought might change or what somebody had said, you might think, oh, and you have another thought, you know. And we might not agree to anything specific or concrete. And sometimes we would think, yes, we want to do such and such. So if there seemed to be a general consensus among us, Reverend Master Hario, who was overseeing the whole thing, he would summarize what we kind of come up with. And um, it asked us, is this what we'd like to do? You know, do we want to do that? And we'd agree if it was, and usually the simpler the better. So at the least we could consider, can I live with this? You know, this is the golden rule. It helps us to make decisions and get something done. Can I live with it? We can live with almost anything, actually, if we have to. We don't have to have it perfect, just our own way. Can I live with it? Wonderful tool. So one thing we did agree on was that we'd have an in-person meeting next year at Throssel, if we possibly can, for all those who can attend. And if, some, if people can't attend because of illness or they're too far away or whatever it might be, they could be, have some Zoom meetings like we did this time. And then they could participate in some of the things that we could all discuss together. And those who were together, there in person can spend time together as we like to do, which is such a helpful practice. Being with a human being is not the same as being on Zoom with them, as we all know. Meeting in person, a great blessing. You can take walks together, you can have a cup of tea together, you can chat, you can chat together at meals. You chat way too much, but it's actually nice. If it's something that somebody said you're not quite sure about, well, we can discuss it. Let's, what do you mean by that? And usually you come to harmony. Think, oh, that's what they had in mind. It's not what I thought. It's just really helpful. You can soften your view. You know, each of us soften our own view rather than have polarized opinions about things. Because we try not to just think, what do I want? What do I like? What do I, th-? you know, but... What's best to do here? What is helpful? What is good? What's the best thing? Not just, what do I want? It's really good. The one thing we talked about that we felt was a good thing, and we all felt this was good, and that is to make our scriptures and our liturgy more gender-inclusive. Reverend Master G.U. left us this great, rich legacy of literature, of liturgy and music. And in her day... It was normal to say man and mankind, meaning you meant everybody, meaning all humans. You didn't mean just men. But nowadays it feels different. And when you say mankind or man does this or man does that, it can jar a bit on people. They feel, women feel excluded or you feel that, you know, a lot of people who don't identify as men are excluded from this. And that, of course, is not the intention at all. But now it feels like that. So we need to change. So for some years we've been trying to figure out how to do this, to adapt our scriptures and make them inclusive of everybody. Actually, in Chinese and Japanese, where our scriptures come from, many of them, they don't have the gender often. They don't specify gender. 
but old translators would kind of defer, defer to the male pronoun, so you think everything's male, but actually it wasn't necessarily so in the old translations. So Reverend Hubert, I noticed, really tried to minimize gender-specific specific things, tried to have one or a person or whatever, which was nice that he did, because he was coming from a later time than Reverend Master Jiyu. So how do we adapt our scriptures to make them more inclusive and especially not to change the meaning when we do that? It's easy to just just change the meaning of something ever so slightly when you're just thinking it's a simple little word but actually can make quite a difference and to, want, to the intention of what is said. And we want to keep the, it as much as possible to the original intention of our scriptures. And how do we do that without sounding clunky? or using language that might then be out of date in a few years, and then we have to do it again. We don't want to do that. We don't want to be too politically correct in that sense. But to make it, do it in a way that makes it dignified, will last, and keeps to the meaning. This is not too easy, you know. So we've been trying to do this. We've been trying to get on with it and do something. We've had committees, we've had meetings and speakings, we've had people really working on our scriptures, and I think eventually we'll hobble towards something we can lurch rather towards something we can actually use. I really hope so, because otherwise we'll all be dead before we do it. And here again, the case for the golden rule. Can I live with it? You know? If you don't all absolutely love everything we have, it's very likely we won't. If we wait for that, we'll be waiting for a very long time. So be patient with us. We're trying, we're working out, doing our best, and we will come up with something. But to do it skillfully and wisely is what we're trying to do, to keep to the spirit of our scriptures and our liturgy and have it work for everybody and include everybody. So we're working on it. And this is an example of can I live with it? You know, as I said, a helpful tool, a wonderful tool for the practice of harmony. If I hear or see something that grates a little bit, well... Can I live with it? Do I have to fix it? Do I have to set the person straight? Do I have to have it my way? Or can I live with it? You know? And this doesn't mean just letting everything slide and not saying something when we need to say something. But we don't have to have everything just the way we want it. Sometimes we can live with something that's not perfect or not quite the way we'd like. You know? And to practice some wise discernment here is this just a puffy self wanting things its own way? Or is it really something that needs to be addressed? You know, what actually is at the bottom of this? Am I just being a self, just wanting things the way I like them? Or is it actually something that I need to do something about? The critical mind, the critical mind that finds fault with other people or prejudges others and sees the worst in everything and everybody, you know, or tends to do that, the sort of slight ill will that can arise, you know, is a great suffering and is not seen clearly. If we can see that critical mind arise, oh, I'm just prejudging this person, or they always do that, or they're doing it again. Well, maybe they're not, you know. People change. Can we see that? See how people change? See how people are actually trying to do their best? If you try to see the good in other people, See their pure intention, especially if we have difficulty with them. 
to see the good in them. It really helps us to practice harmony, to see their good intentions, to see them trying to do their best. It helps us to get along with them and to respect them and trust them more. Very, very helpful, rather than just looking for the worst, looking for the fault, you know, the fault-seeking missile. In our world, there's a huge need for practicing harmony. There always has been, you know. There's so much disharmony now in our politics, in our social life, in our tastes, in our ways of living, whether or not we wear a mask, you know. There's a whole thing attached to that. Oh, they're wearing a mask. Oh, they're not wearing a mask. It's ridiculous. I think that's fading a bit because hardly anybody's wearing a mask except us. But we don't have to make a judgment about it. We don't have to get upset. We don't have to have a view, actually. Everybody's different. People do what they do. If we can try to do our part to create harmony in our family with the people we love, the people we know, the people we work with, the people we see every day, or the people we just meet in the store, you know, just to practice harmony, not to prejudge people, not to be resentful. If somebody treats us rudely or unfairly, can we come from stillness and respond with patience? Listen to what they have to say. Maybe they're saying something that they need to say or something we need to hear, even if it doesn't sound very good. You know? <clears throat> and can we do that without just reacting with irritation or defensiveness, just to hear, you know. If somebody's yelling at us, maybe we still have to hear what they're yelling, even though it's hard, you know, rather than just say, oh, they're just yelling at me. They do that all the time. But to say, what are they trying to tell me? It is amazing how often it can be that we can have a kind of repeated conversation with somebody who's like this, this person's saying this, that person's saying that, and neither is listening to the other. But if we could just listen more, Maybe say, well, you speak. Tell me how you see this. And then you speak. Tell me how you see this. And then maybe you could see, often it's the case, that both sides want the same thing. They're just going about it in different ways. But so often it's the case. We all want to live in peace and harmony. These people may think this is the way to do it. Those people think that's the way to do it. There's so many issues in our world that are divisive. But in fact, mostly people want to live in peace and harmony with decency and respect. And we don't always practice that when we're trying to get what we want. But if you can see that, that actually there's a good heart in everybody. And to respect that and not just react angrily or with judgment. Oh, they always do that. It's really helpful. If you can see what our self gets in the way, our little puffy self. Oh, it's just my puffy self. I can let let that go. If it's just a little self, I don't have to cling on to what it wants. Just being puffy. I can maybe relinquish the grip a little bit. Easier said than done sometimes. Harmony in our relationships. It helps us to create or cultivate harmony within ourselves. When we argue or when we're crabby and irritable, we're not treating people well. When we see what we're doing, you don't feel so good. Oh, I shouldn't have said that, you know. I shouldn't have 
been crabby with that person. I could have been kind at least, even if I don't agree with them. I could at least be kind. I can treat them with respect. We don't have to be a doormat and let people walk all over us. And we don't have to acquiesce in things that we really feel are not good. But we can be civil. We can listen to others, no matter what they may be saying. Listen to them. Try to understand where they're coming from, to understand what they're saying, what they're trying to tell us, maybe what we need to hear. Acceptance, fundamental to the practice of harmony. Acceptance is harmony. If we can truly accept other people, we can accept ourselves much better. And the other way around, if we accept ourselves, we can accept other people. With all our faults and warts and mis- you know, mistakes and wrong thinking, well, other people's faults and mistakes and wrong thinking, we can accept human beings as human and not perfect. We can accept ourselves as human and not perfect. It's immeasurably helpful, and it helps us to cultivate harmony within ourselves and with other people. Non-acceptance is disharmony by its very nature. We're not accepting something is not harmony there. Accepting other beings, accepting the situations we find ourselves in. It doesn't mean we don't try to change things that need to be changed, but we have to accept them first. This is how it is. Now what can I do? Rather than saying, unacceptable, no, we're not going there, we're not doing that, I don't want to listen. Just to say, well... This is how it is. This is how this person thinks. This is what this person's doing. Okay, now what do we do? Do we need to try and do something? Or can we live with it? Can we accept it? Do we need to... We don't have to argue with them or fight with them. But maybe we can understand, sympathize, harmonize, accept people the way they are, and then see what needs, what's good to do. To sit still, accept the people and the things and the situations and the conditions that come our way is immeasurably helpful. Then we can more deeply entrust ourselves to that which supports and embraces everything. Practicing harmony. The nature of Buddha nature is harmony. No matter what the world looks like, there's a fundamental harmony at work. And if we can harmonize with that, We'll do our best to harmonize with that and relinquish our little puffy views. Then we can live in harmony with our true nature much better. To listen to that, to sit still within that and not have to be defending our view or having our way. To sit it, what's, what's best here? And what is the fundamental thing, the fundamental Buddha nature in which we have faith and to which we entrust ourselves. That is the basis of our harmony. Harmony within ourselves, harmony with each other, harmony within our world, actually. The more we can do that, the more we can help ourselves, help each other, and help our world. Buddha nature, the ultimate harmony with which we are trying to harmonize. This is our talk for the day. Thank you.